pleasure to have you with us for this show. It's called Swing Thoughts. It's a bit of a play on words because we spend almost no time talking or thinking about the technical aspect of golf. It's the thoughts that make up the game that fascinate myself. My name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. And uh, part of this uh, production, I call myself golf spiritual leader and really the only person following me is me <laughs> that's that's who i'm leading uh, along with my very good friend the coach of the guelph griffins as well as a mental performance coach at the Glen abbey golf academy he has his own coaching business and he does and business is good he does a great job tim o'connor how are you, morning, sir? Man, you know I, I, you know you are. I follow you. I mean, I bask in the humility of your presence. I appreciate that. Uh, man. You're such a such a big personality, <laughs> and in so many ways. Oh, I know. A lot of time people say big personality. They just mean obnoxious. Anyway, uh, I'm living with it, Tim, and uh, great to be with you here on TSN for yet another episode of our program, brought to you by the very fine people. At TaylorMade Golf. Whew, what can I say? The all-new Sim and Sim Max drivers are reshaping the game. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn about the new Shape and Motion family of TaylorMade products. We gave away our golf balls to Ian Service last week, Rudra Rishi Maharaj, and we couldn't be happier. Uh, using I'm using the TP5X. You've already uh, you said you have been trying out. What are they called? The one with the Ricky Fowler balls? The TP5 picks. The one the, with like the little sort of it almost like a, oh here it is. It looks kind of like almost like the Google logo. No, um, right. little triangles on it or something. But yeah, it's cool when you hit a pure putt, man. It just it's such an interesting visual image. I mean, just it's very very cool. Um, we got a good show, uh, we think, lined up for you today, and, and great to have radio listeners as well as the thousands of people that have supported our podcast now into its fourth year. Among those people, of course, TaylorMade. Uh, in our second half of the show, uh, I think one of the things we want to kind of explore, we'll go over a little bit of the dynamic of what happened during the big match, Tiger and Phil, uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So much good stuff in that. I'm not sure how much of it you watched or if any, but there was so much for the average player to observe and to learn and to synthesize in your own game. As well today, one of our favorite themes, at least mine, the idea that golf is not a game of perfect is not only the book that kind of set me on a path of learning more about this kind of stuff, but it, it's, a, it's a great reminder from time to time, I think for everybody, that perfect golf isn't what you're trying to achieve. In fact, most of the time, you're actually not hitting good shots or perfect shots, but you still have to find a way to play the game. Oh, yeah. Isn't it Hogan? Didn't Hogan? Even you know, Hogan held as the icon of ball striking. I think he said that he might hit one or two pure shots per round, and he was like the best, one of the best ever, and he didn't play perfect golf. Gosh. But but there's something about it, and I think we're going to spend some time. I got a lot of questions for you as well. I've been uh, thinking about this for a few days, and and we'll just talk a little bit about what it is that maybe the the real path to nirvana for golfers or to a bit of an evolution in terms of attitude is really becoming more comfortable with the idea that it's not perfection we're trying to achieve. It's a great lesson for the game. 
pretty great lesson for, you know, just your everyday life. You know, acceptance, awareness, all the other Anissas. You know? All the stuff that the GSL is just, <laughs> yeah. just ascended to that different okay. level. Okay. All right. Well, listen, let's uh, get right to our guest. This was a great suggestion, Timmy. Grant Fraser is a friend of ours, a friend of yours. Why do I think he was a golf writer, too? Is he not a golf writer? Or is that another Fraser? No, he is a golf He's writer. a golf writer. Yeah. Uh, he's also been uh, educating uh, human beings for a long time at McMaster University. He's been in charge of uh, golf management and uh Golf technology in general changing over the years, and Grant's uh, been been right there. Grant, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, for having me on this morning. Well, it's our pleasure. Um, I I had asked you before the show started. Had you heard Swing Thoughts before, Grant? Absolutely. You guys have been doing a great job talking about golf all these years. <laughs> Just listening to your conversation about not golf not being a game of perfect, that was one of the very first uh, books I read as well, Howard, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, it was a revelation to me, and, and I should also say I've played golf with Grant. He's a very fine player, hits the ball like ridiculous power. Um, say what? Tonnage. Yeah, Tonnage. Very, he's got very, he's a very strong guy. You know, direction's not always his friend, but hey, what the hell? But uh, <laughs> I'm but glad you, you qualified that because that's that's true. But he takes a mighty hack at it. Um, yeah, well, if you listen to the second half of the show, we'll talk a lot about that book and a lot about books like it. But, yeah, you know, the bottom line is great golf is generally played with a lot of kind of okay shots. But, Timmy, what was the impetus to uh, bring Grant on? And maybe you can set that up for us today. Well, in my own coaching, in experience of lots of other coaches, technology has become such a great way to connect with people, and it's really changing the way we do things. So Grant has been working in that space, uh, particularly this year in his work with McMaster. So I just thought it'd be a pretty interesting look to see, you know, we're all Zooming now, Zoom is a verb now, about how we're using this different technology. So Grant, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at McMaster these days in terms of this whole online space and how it relates to, to golf and golf instruction. Sure. So just a little bit of background. Um, I've been involved in online education since 1999, if you can believe that. We started an online program through the Golf Management Institute of Canada in 1999. And back then you had the University of Phoenix and Athabasca University, and that was it. And that was the model that I followed and uh, we started our very first program um, in HR management. We had 13 students typing into a chat box, and I had a facilitator and instructor doing the same, uh, you know, teaching out of their basement like, you know, we are here today. And, uh, you know, for 18 years, we ran, ran the program independently. We were successful. And then uh, three years ago, McMaster took it over, and now it's currently offered through their Center for Continuing Education. Yeah, it's a golf and resort management diploma, and I'm currently teaching a course in entrepreneurship in entrepreneurship in the program. So I'm kind of I'm living and breathing this now. And then uh, you know, as I'm doing this and hearing about different ideas from some of my students, I thought I'd reach out to you and say, "Hey, Tim, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening out there in the in the technology space, and uh, it's not just affecting golf professionals, but 
just even superintendents, how general, how superintendents look after the turf, how general managers manage and how golf professionals teach. Everything has changed radically. And I think perhaps we would have been headed in that direction anyway. But with the uh, the pandemic, everything has just happened so much, so much quicker. And uh, if you're not adapting to the change, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get left behind. Just a couple quick things, Grant. Uh, go back to for the lay person listening who are not involved in the business as uh, you guys are. What what exactly? Because I think for a lot of people, they heard golf management, golf and resort management as a course people take. What do you get out of that? What, what does that mean? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a, a, an accredited diploma program offered through McMaster University. All of our students are adult learners, a lot of career changers. Uh, I've got several aspiring golf pros in my class uh, now, um, some entrepreneurs looking to start a golf business. So it's an it's an adult learner program. Uh, a lot of uh, I'd say the average age would be mid 30s, even into their 40s. People who are looking to make a career change or someone who's already in golf looking to to uh, learn new skills and and, uh, you know, re- remain current and reposition themselves for a future in golf. OK. Um, and so and during this time of the great pause, which was one of my favorite descriptors I heard this week, we're in a great pause. And so while we're all being forced through technology to learn some new skills, what are some of the things you've been seeing and how they would apply to the average person wanting to increase their abilities in this game? Well, I think Tim, Tim asked me earlier, uh, what, what technology are we, uh, are we using? So certainly Zoom, I'm, I'm using Zoom to communicate with, uh, with my students and uh, also WebEx. I've used WebEx several times as well. And, you know, I, you, you, that, that's, those are two platforms that you have, to, you have to become familiar with and really good at if you're going to not just communicate with uh, your students, but also your staff. And that's why, you know, I mentioned earlier about the way GMs manage and, and the way pros teach, uh, how you communicate with your members, how you communicate with, uh, with, with public golfers, letting them know about, you know, booking policies, cart policies, uh, the fact the fact that you can't touch a flag anymore mm. uh, it's all about educating uh, the golf consumer uh, in terms of how to conduct themselves when they arrive at the golf course so where I so play that, can't, sorry go ahead oh, I was going to say that um, the majority of our players are our listeners are players and so how does this how does this relate to someone wanting to become a better golfer uh, whether it be through their swing or or the mental side of golf or whatever? I think, uh, well, depending if they're working with a coach or not, uh, their, their swing instructor, maybe they're doing something. In fact, I know, I knew, I know a golf professional who's actually doing lessons from afar. So he's, he's doing what we're doing today. You've connected on zoom and you know, you can watch someone swing on video through zoom and you can, you can instruct that way. And I think, I think, you're going to see more of that. Uh, you might even be able how you conduct uh, small small classes of you know four to six. How golf professionals run clinics. I mean that's that's uh, I mean that's a big part of, of of a golf professional's business. And going forward, you know how do you how do you make that work? I uh, was lucky enough through Tim 
to meet Ralph Bauer. I was part of Tim's uh, Tuesday uh, webinar and a bunch of coaches get together. And I followed up with Ralph on a couple of things. And we did just that. I put my computer on a chair in my golf lab. Yeah, I have one. Whatever. Don't judge. You know, it used to be a spare room. Whatever. Yeah, it used to be a bedroom. It used to be a bedroom. There. Kids move out. Mattress on the wall. Daddy's got stuff to do. And uh, so I put the computer where Ralph could see me. And I took some swings. And then we discussed some stuff. And then, you know, we, we worked together remotely indoors uh, in a way that I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have even thought to do even a year ago. And Tim and I have been pretty comfortable on Zoom for quite some time. Yeah, I think I think we all have to be, and and, and you know, we're, this is a, a golf program, but uh, I think in in all in all businesses, we're, we are reinventing ourselves. Okay. So, Grant, what does this? What did? Is this an opportunity for golfers to engage more with coaches? Because often it's a matter of of proximity. You know, I live, let's say I live, you know, an hour and a half from a coach I want to see. But now I can, like, Howard, that's pretty cool. You set up your laptop in your freaking bedroom. Well, sorry, golf lab. Yes, thank you. And now you have a golf lesson. So are we going to see more and more of this, Grant? I think so, and I think we have to. Uh, I think the the world has changed, and I don't I don't see us going back anytime soon. So, as I said, you know, the the, the best per professionals not only good at what they do and they understand the golf swing, but they're you know they're leading edge in terms of the technology that they can offer. You know, not every every tour pro doesn't uh, travel with their swing coach. Quite no, often, of it's a conversation not. on the phone, or it's uh, you know, it's a it's a video session, and you're you know you've got someone holding the phone, and maybe you're videotaping your swing on the range, and you send it to a you know a guy like Sean Foley. So you know, Sean doesn't travel with his players every week. Um, so you know, for the average player, uh, welcome welcome to the welcome to that world. Uh, let's talk a little bit about golf management as a career. You know, it's one of those things I've heard that term. I've been around the game a long time, but I never really kind of understood. So you teach, if I sign up for the golf and resort management course, just a couple of questions. How long is it? Uh, is it a couple of years before I get a degree? And then if I, if I somehow pass without sucking up to my teacher, dear Mr. Fraser, I'm sorry I did not complete that assignment. Um, and what, is it, what does it qualify me to do? Yeah, it's, so it's a, it's a ten course uh, program, all online. Um, I won't get too uh, too sophisticated here, but it's, uh, it's no, don't. It's, okay, so I, I won't. So it's <laughs> it, you. You basically log in. The course is in front of you. Uh, there are uh, in my particular class, it's eight weeks long. You uh, there are assignments and uh, comments and posts to make every week on our on our chat uh, in our chat room. And there's a business plan to to complete at the end of uh, end of the course. So that's my class. We offer courses in finance and marketing, uh, HR, all all turf, uh, golf course design. And, and, and so, how, how long does it take? How long does this take to complete? I'm sorry to cut you off, Grant, but I don't go through the whole curriculum. I'm just saying, like, is it a two year yeah. thing, and then you get a degree? Yeah, you get so you actually get a diploma in golf and resort management, and it would take you under a year to complete. And what does that allow me to do? Well, with that, most of our students, as I say, are adult learners. They've got a d- degree or a, a diploma already, so they leverage on experience and their uh, their past education. And 
it positions them for some sort of a management or administrative position in golf. Well, like everything from F&B uh, manager to uh, clubhouse to, manager, general manager. Oh, okay, uh, cool. What about just what about just getting started? Uh, your foot in the door as a you know an apprentice, uh, an apprentice in the golf shop or associate or assistant pro that type of thing. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly. Uh, you know, we, we don't teach golf instruction. Sorry, guys. Um, it's all about the business side of, of golf. And so, but, but having said that, I would say half of, uh, half of our, uh, half of my students or my class this year are aspiring golf professionals. So they're part of the PGA of Canada. Right. And uh, they're, they're looking to uh, obtain more management skills, but specific to golf. Do you think, guys, the younger people that would take this course... And maybe walk me through this. If I've already got whatever that, if you've already got your Class A PGA of Canada designation, does that not get you, would that not allow you also to do these things? Or is that when you go and take a golf management course? Well, I'd say either or, Howard. Uh, we've got, uh, I've, I've seen some Class A's uh, in the past. And then, of course, you've got people who are in the, uh, in the candidate for membership program leading up to becoming a class a so it's it's both okay it's both we've got a lot of people who listen to this show who think you know wow being in the golf business would, would, would be pretty cool you know they'd love to marry their passion with their their avocation how realistic is it for people to get into the golf business these days it is having some kind of business diploma background is that a must if anyone's considering such a move i don't know if it's a must uh, tim i know uh you know i have my office is at glen abbey and we've just uh, glen abbey has just hired a new uh b person who has not come from the golf business his background is in a hotel so he's come from a big hotel in downtown toronto and now he's looking after the b operation at, at glen abbey so I think having you know an understanding though of business is certainly uh, important, and and I, you know it's great to work in the golf business. I'm very fortunate to be in it, but golf is a business. Uh, every every golf course owner manager who listens to your program would attest to that. Yeah, you know it, it's understanding what's coming in, what's going out. Am I making some money at the at the end of the day? I've got staff. I mean, it's 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 a business. It's not being out on the golf course and uh, you know playing 18 holes of golf every day oh yeah and you know there's uh that what is that old joke about the cpga the it stands yeah. for can't play golf anymore exactly you know it's like it's one of those businesses where you love the game so you think you want to be around it so you get a job in the business and now you can't play the game but you're around it all the time which would I, I was a, when I was a kid, I worked for six years at a golf course from the age of eleven to seventeen. I finally got into the pro shop. I love you don't I'll tell you of all the years I worked around it, my favorite job was cleaning clubs because you got to clean clubs. That was fun, and at the end of the day, you go play. Working in the pro shop, I just I didn't have it. I just <laughs> didn't taking green fee money and. You know, I just that part of it was just like I can't, I couldn't see myself doing that for another summer. Howard, I think, but wouldn't you be really good at folding sweaters? No, I was horrible at it. Ask my dad. <laughs> my dad had a small menswear store, and he, <laughs> I was terrible at it. Uh, Grant Fraser is our uh, guest today from McMaster University. What, am I wrong, Grant? Did you not write as well 
for a uh, bunch of publications? Uh, I, well, I write for uh, I write for uh, Flagstick Magazine, okay, and they they also publish Ontario Golf News. So right. Scott Scott McLeod is my editor and publisher. And you're quite the photographer as well. I've done some photography, Tim, over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been on a few golf trips in which I've seen you <laughs> wield the camera. I think Ireland, um, Scotland too. Were you on those trips? Yeah, I was. You know, I could never draw. I really, I'm not very creative. But I will say that I find my my create my I satisfy my creative urges with my camera, my photograph, with some photo photography. So wait a minute, wait, wait. So there's yeah, yeah. there's that some uh, shots of you and O'Connor <laughs> on some drunken bus between <laughs> Bally Benyon and Ballyhoo. <laughs> yeah, I think you caught Ted back, and I think I think you might have caught Ted McIntyre losing his breakfast one time. And- oh, that's nice. That's great. Well, I hope one day we'll get to go on golf trips again. You know, it's funny on the Humble and Fred show, quite a bit of the time has been talking about, you know, when people are going to be comfortable interacting in society in different levels. So we're lucky in golf. A couple weeks ago, things opened up. I saw Grant at the golf course the other day. I think people are very, have been very respectful at least from from what I've seen, because the bottom line is we don't want the experiment to screw up because then if they take the golf away again, we're going to lose our minds. What's your impression been of it so far, Grant? I I agree. And in fact, I was uh, chatting with someone with Golf Canada last week, and they made a very astute comment by saying, you know, we're all in this together right across the country. We've all got to adhere to these new... uh, you know, these the social distancing rules, all it takes is one or two properties to, to screw this up. And then we're all we're all done for. So we are we're all in this together. Uh, yeah, golf. I think it's been really good at, at my at the club where I play at uh, when the round is over. Everyone goes home. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of thought guys would go get a beer surreptitiously and then kind of meet, you know, behind the, the back shop. But nope, everyone's being well, good because I think to Howard's point, we know that we can't screw this up. Golf Canada sent out a survey, Grant. I'm not sure if you saw it or Tim, but they sent it to a bunch of tournament players. And, and it was interesting because it came back. It was taught, A lot of the survey was about would you travel to play. And uh, interestingly enough, I think Charles mentioned this. Younger, younger men and women said yes. The middle am sort of age were like 50-50. And the senior guys all said no. I said yes because I'm like, um, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let some virus get in the way of my tournaments. But uh, what do you have? You I've just sent. Uh, there's nothing on the schedule of GAO. It all looks like it's either been canceled or postponed. What have you heard? Well, the, the BGA of Canada just canceled their championship. Okay, yeah, and I think some uh, certainly some provincial championships here in Ontario being have been canceled as well. Uh, of course, the, the RBC Canadian Open uh, has been scrapped for the year. So, yeah, it's you know it's it's tough. And going forward, I'm looking anxiously at the PGA Tour and you know when that's going to start. And uh, I was talking to a gentleman uh, who's involved with RBC and and um, the Canadian Open, and I said, you know, going forward, do you see fans, spectators being allowed in into some of the uh, into the into some of the majors? And you know, he he's not sure. Mm-hmm. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens at the U.S. Open or, you know, in the Masters in November. Yeah, well, they just announced yesterday that John Deere is canceled, so they're going to look to fill that so because Illinois, it's just, 
Illinois still in a, a degree of lockdown that doesn't allow, you know, even for a, a tournament to happen. Um, have they officially canceled the Ryder Cup, or is that still? Are they still considering that? I haven't heard that they've canceled the Ryder Cup. Yeah, neither yeah, have I. Can't I. imagine it without without fans. It'd be a travesty. I, I just like just. I don't give know. it up for this year. Travis, yeah. well, I'm sorry, I got to disagree. Travesty seems a little overblown for the Ryder Cup. Okay, <laughs> say I'm a writer, so if I was writing All that, right. I'd use the sober second thought. I might look back <laughs> at that, but you know, this is off the cuff, man. I know, baby. Uh, listen, we got to say thanks, Grant <laughs> Fraser. You're a good man, McMaster University, teaching the uh, golf program. Uh, thank you very much for your time today, sir. We appreciate it. So long and meeting. Good golfing. Thanks, guys, for having me on your program. It's always our pleasure. Welcome, Grant. Good to see you. You know man. what? If, if you didn't come on our program, that would be a travesty. <laughs> uh, we'll come right back. Uh, Coach Tim and I uh, breaking down the game of golf as we always do. Golf is not a game of perfect. Find out why when we come back here on TSN 1150 and the podcast that is Swing Thoughts. Step inside, but you don't see too many faces. Welcome back to Swing Thoughts, the podcast, now the radio show. Ha ha. We're doing it all. Uh, the program about the game of golf, particularly the mental side of the game. My name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. I have uh, been exploring the mental side of the game of golf as uh, part of the things I love about it for a very long time, which brought me to, uh, to be in the presence of this greatness. Tim O'Connor, mental performance coach, a longtime golf writer, a deep thinker, a man embraced by the bosom of the game. <laughs> My God, but I'm just a man. He's I'm not just, just a good. man. I'm just a man. He's just a regular guy who, uh, what's that? Flesh and blood. He, uh, he helps people is what he does. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. That's how you get a hold of Tim. Uh, this program is brought to you by our very good friends at TaylorMade Golf, the all-new Sim and Sim Max Fairway Woods. Experience lower center of gravity, higher launch. Do it uh, by visiting TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more about the new um, V Steel Soul. And multi-material construction. Uh, we've already talked a little bit <clears throat> about the legend that is the new Sim hybrid that I'm still waiting for. But apparently, it's extraordinary. Like, you don't see a lot of tour players switching out their driving irons for, you know, something you need to take a head cover off. But a lot of guys are using this thing, and we highly recommend it. Well, it's uh, they're flying off the shelves, or they're already gone. I think yeah, they're gone. Is, yeah, no, there's, it's hard to get. But I've played two rounds with my sim driver. Love it, absolutely love it, absolutely love you, it. And I actually had a uh, <laughs> golf you, lesson. Yeah, a golf lesson. Did you with, uh, with Mr. Mike Martz the other day? Yeah, 
out at Whistle Bear. First time I've ever been to that academy where there's not been snow on the ground. <laughs> it was fun. Oh, mm. loving that driver. And uh, actually, I'll have you know that uh, for the first time in my career, uh, in the 20 years I played at Blue Springs, I hit a drive that enabled me to then hit the uh, 12th green in two. Are you yes, kidding? Part- Are you talking about that? Fun- we were we were talking. I can't remember if we were talking about that hole on or off the air. That is a funky. That's a funky drive. You got to hit yeah. it in the right spot, and that green sits diagonal and up. It's one of the hardest greens to hit. Yeah, I know. Well, I did, and I, and I have to give a give a a hand to TaylorMade Technology for helping ha- helping a sixty three year old guy just crush a drive down it landed about this this area about 15 feet wide in the fairway it just narrows right down boom i was there and out drove all these guys it was really fun yes nice. ronan and you and tom nowak I yeah we're you. talking to you ronan 100 percent. and then i hit this three wood on the green and so it's kind of oh this is kind of interesting but, <laughs> yeah. but seriously man i was going like i'm 63 year old man <laughs> am i supposed to be able to do this is it supposed to go that far? Yeah, technology is a wonderful thing. Well, I'll quickly tell you one of my sim driver stories. This was uh, from the other night, and uh, it's a it's a long hole. It's four hundred and fifty yard par four that you can kind of cut a lot off it if you it dog legs left. And I I ripped yeah. it down the left hand side, and and I knew I wasn't out of bounds, but I was pretty close to the left hand side where there's OB. And we were all looking where we thought my ball should be, like in the rough. And, uh, you know, I was kind of not, I was getting that weird, that (laughs) gnawing feeling in your stomach where you're going, am I going to have to walk back? Because I just couldn't figure out, I couldn't fathom it. Like, I knew I hit it very well. Like, I knew I made good contact. But where I was looking is where a normal good drive would be. Well, you know how the story ends. As I was about to turn back to the tees, somebody 20 yards ahead of where I was looking. In fact, they were... Here's how how, uh, fortuitous it was. That person was walking away. And as they were walking away, like we're giving up, he said, oh, look. And I'm telling you, Tim, (laughs) it was was not where a 60-year-old's golf ball should be. Totally it was it. it was gross. I had I'll tell you. So the uh, now again, it's gross. it's a dog leg. It's four fifty two. I had a nine iron in from where my ball was. It was oh, ridiculous. Lordy. Now I've hit that. I've played that hole where I've had three wood in, but because 100%. I cut the angle, and the ball just went further than I was like, it shouldn't be there. That's not Is that so- <laughs> second scotch block. Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, that's 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 a, <laughs> oh, heck of yeah. a hole. You know what? You just reminded me of. So the technology is amazing, but also we should do a segment exploring what goes on in your mind when you're looking for a golf ball. No, and it's the worst because you're like you're living and dying, and you know that the five minutes is coming up. It's like ah, oh, three on. minutes now, three. Oh yeah, that's right, three. And you're just just the hope that you have, the encouragement. The other yeah. guys go, come on, we'll find it, oh, yeah. please. And, and then finally, maybe the fatalism when <sighs> I think we should. What about this? Let's just explore this. What about the effort you give? Now, the first time I'm with a person and they lose a ball, I go all out. I'm over there. I'm helping you out, man. I'm a good partner. 
If you're if by the time I'm looking for the third, fourth, and fifth ball of yours, I basically just kind of, I kind of nod. I, you kind of pretend to go over toward the trees, and you're not. Yeah, I think quite. it was near this. Ac- <laughs> I think it was near this acreage. <laughs> That's right. By the time it's the back nine, you just said, I think it went over there by the trees, and you don't even, you barely even point. Exactly. Good luck with that. I'm going to get a hot dog. You know, or or, um, if here's the thing if you're on the left side of the fairway and somebody, there's, let's say you've hit it down the left side and there's a couple down the right side, but wait, like 80 yards from where you are, and you see that they can't find your ball. Do you ever do this? Do you ever do the slow walk over? So the very you might slow walk. you're very slow, like where you're like you just start to motion toward where they are, hoping <laughs> that they find it before you get there. So you don't yeah. have to walk all the way there. I'd almost prefer that they cheated. You know, the whole yes. like hole, hole in the pocket thing. <laughs> That's right. Oh, look! Looky here! I found it! Oh my gosh! You know, that's really funny, too. I would rather you cheated. I don't because unless it's an actual tournament, if it's just funsy golf, throw another yeah. one. Yeah. Throw I, another I one. Care. Yeah. Or. Oh, yeah. That but, is but, hilarious, but is, man. But it, but it is funny. All the stuff that goes through your head when you're looking for a golf ball, because it's like, oh, really? I'm even part of here. And now I'm going to be this and this. And oh, yeah. uh, believe me, people. Us swing thoughts, elevated co-hosts. We we go through the same nonsense you go through. Well, I can tell you um, on this particular. I, I don't know, be a braggadocious. I I don't lose a lot of golf balls. I just don't. You know, I no. You know, and so when I was looking for that ball, you know, I had a couple things going through my head. I'm like, well, I know I hit it well, so that's per- first piece of information. Uh, I got there before the other guys did, so I'd already was aware that I've now been looking into my first minute on my own. But there's a thing that happens, I think, amongst us golfers that no one starts to count really. There's a, I think, would you agree that it's almost until everyone comes over, that's kind of when the group clock starts. But in reality, I know I've been looking for a minute. And so they come over to help me. And so my thoughts were, well, this is weird because I know I wasn't anywhere near OB. Uh, there was a couple areas of very high grass, so I thought, well, maybe it's in there. But it still seemed further left because I just cut the corner, right? I've hit that shot a bunch of times, and that gets back to the driver because, honestly, Timmy, where it was was nowhere I was looking. So as this time was going on, I started not to think about, well, I'm this many or I'm that many. I'm like... God damn, I had to go back to the T, <laughs> you know? Yeah, know exactly. And my thought was, if I go back to the, my only, and I'll tell you what I thought. I said, okay, if you've got to go back, you've got to reset, like play the hole over. Because, and this is maybe a good segue into our topic, because making par with your second ball at my level is all that I need to do. Don't try and make too much out of it. Just make a, a nice Take a conservative line. I started thinking that. Well, if we have to go back, let's just reset and do our best with our second ball not to make the big, big number, right? But the big number is so much in the wheelhouse. You know, it's so easy to make a bogey on your second ball. You're talking triple on a on – a, and it's like, wow. Yeah, three off the on tee. A, on, a, on a par four because it's just – the hard thing to do, as we've talked about, 
so much is that how do you not have the reaction that makes that that sets you more off course? Is like how do you go? Okay, yep, I gotta reload, gotta the walk of shame or whatever back, and but you have to bring yourself to this place of just letting that thing go. That ball <laughs> is is definitely gone, and the any attachment you had to the result has to be gone as well. Mm-hmm. You just got to clear. You have to. It's it's a clean slate, uh, because that's when that's so for many golfers. That's when that's when they get on that bogey train or worse. Now, before I launch into the golf is not a game of perfect. Am I? I know they changed the rules for uh, out of bounds. So prior to the rule change, you had to go back hit three from the tee. Is there not now a rule that gives you the option of out of bounds with a two-stroke penalty, not a one-shot like a hazard or penalty area, where you're allowed to drop it where you believe the point it went out of bounds, take your stroke and distance from there and be hitting four from there? You know what? I don't think it's out of bounds. I think it's if you lost the ball. And okay. You, you, it's where you think it went, and that's a local rule. That's okay. not that's not a, a, a rule across the board. And most golf tournaments, even at the local level, don't allow that. But for most of the for for like your average sort of Saturday morning play, let's say yeah, you bash it off into into the right and you think you know, in line with that tree and you get there and you don't find it. You can take a line from say that tree, two club lengths in the fairway and drop it. But yeah, you're hitting four from there. Okay. But I don't think it is. I think OB is still OB. Excellent. The, the old the old rule. Yeah, well, that, that's really the part of the thing I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, I've played, I think I've played five or six times. I've played in that time, though. I've played, I've played competitively, we'll call it, in quotation marks. And I, call, I, I qualify competitively where you, you need to not only putt out everything, but your score gets registered and you're playing against other people. So I've done that a couple times. That's like you know, men's night, right? Well, like men's there? night, or we have our Saturday morning game, but it's oh, right. all all the scores are recorded. There's about forty or fifty guys. It's very competitive. There's a year long thing, and it it's not just a casual Saturday game. And you know, I don't normally take it very seriously, but in the absence of other, you know, we'll call it, you know, tournament golf, you know, I'm taking it serious. I'm 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 making I'm making those. Uh, as competitive for myself as I can. It's more about, you know, my own routine and, and my own approach. And I've had some good scores. The very first round we played, I shot 73. And then on men's night the other night, even though because of, I know, I have no I have no chance of winning men's night, which is fine. I don't care. Well, no, you're like a scratch handicap. Well, <laughs> my handicap is one something. So I get no shots, but I don't care. Uh, I just like the competition. And the other night I shot, I told you, I shot even par, which is always fun. You know, it's like you, you look at your scorecard oh, yeah. and there's like a bunch of pars on it and a couple birdies and a couple bogeys. But I said to you in my note, I said, it's remarkable when I went over my round, just how few, you know, we'll call them great shots. You mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Hogan was legendary for saying that he only hit a few shots around that he thought, you know, sort of came off the way he wanted them to. I'm not a Hogan. And so I always put it like, (laughs) 
you know, I, I, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm just looking for how many shots did, did they actually kind of come off the golf club and they they weren't fat or thin or skinny or whatever. They were kind of in the center and they came out of... they. I had I only had about 10 or 12 of those. They were good shots. I had a couple that were remarkable, but for the most part, if you'd seen me that day, I hit a bunch of skinny drives. I hit a bunch of shots that weren't quite where I was aiming. But they, the point of the, the discussion today, I think, for the average player is just how many shots I hit that were kind of crappy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. kind of, and even, uh, it's easy for someone to go, yeah, crappy for you is, but it, no, I mean crappy. Like, I just, they just weren't very good. But they weren't terrible. They weren't terrible and they didn't get me in trouble. You know, I'll give you an example. You know, I I had a nine iron to a par four, pretty standard for me, 138. Pin was in the middle right. I was trying to hit a cut, and I hit, I wouldn't call it a pull hook, but I pulled it. And I was way left of where I wanted to be. But I was still on the green, and I had a 35-foot putt. No big deal. I two-putted, and I made my par. But it was not a very good shot. Nobody else knew that, but I knew it. The point is, the not very good shot just was on the edge of the green, not over the green and left of the green and right of the green. You know what I mean? Like it was just in play. And I wanted to see what your thoughts were about maybe for a person out there listening who's going playing this weekend to temper your expectations of what shots are really supposed to be like. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I always fall back on this one is that... uh the, the person with no expectations will never be disappointed. I think that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. But really, having any attachment to what goes on is just futile. It really is. It, it goes back to the thing that I remember we talked with Paul Doolin about, is that really great players put all their focus on pre-shot, yeah. pre-impact. And that's what they're going to take care of. And then they can make this free swing. And then wherever it goes, it goes. Mm-hmm. The difference so much, again, uh, we both referenced our uh, Zoom call with Fred Shoemaker a couple weeks ago. And the way he talked about that, if you compare the average amateur to the pros, the reason they swing so much faster is that their swings are so much more free, so much less muscular tension. And that comes from the fact that they know from their experience, they can just let it rip. It doesn't mean they're swinging fast. It means they're swinging with a degree of freedom. And if you can experience that, folks, your game is at a different level. And it's not only freedom in your body, it's freedom in just being okay with wherever this goes. And, it, you know, yeah, you're going to be disappointed if you hit it into the woods, but that degree of freedom and unattachment allows you to hit more serviceable shots. That's what you were talking about. Shots, you didn't hit terrible shots. They were, as Hogan said, eminently serviceable well that you know and fred shoemaker would say there are no bad shots those are just judgments judgments i mean the real you know self-awareness as a golfer or evolution as a spiritual you know exercise is to look at a golf shot and just go well that's interesting you know and 100 and and i think i i'm trying to do that more in my practice uh both on and off the golf you know, when I when I was finished the other night, again, I'm not so jaded by shooting a low number. I, I was ex- I was I was 
You know, I wasn't freaking out about shooting even par. Uh, I had a putt on the last hole to shoot under par. In fact, I spent most of the round around one under or even, one under or even, and so I was comfortable. But when I was on my way home, I was thinking, you know, it was kind of just a, I hate to use this word because it's going to sound like a dick, but it was kind of a boring round of golf. Like, there were a couple moments where I couldn't find that ball. That was exciting. But for the most part, I hit a lot of fairways, not great shots. I hit a great amount of greens, not particularly close. I made one birdie because I stuffed it into a foot. I made another birdie, 10 or 12 feet, but I didn't hit a lot of... I may have had a couple, three more good chances, but I three-putted once, and I didn't get it up and down where I could have reasonably expected it. Like, it wasn't that tough a shot. I just lipped out the putt. So I, it wasn't like a whole bunch of crazy chaos happened. I just was like going along, hitting serviceable shots. I like what you said about just leaving aside the judgments, mm-hmm. really, whether it's a good or a bad shot. Because how do you judge it in all seriousness? So, um, so let's say I'm hitting a draw into a hole where the pin is cut front. Uh, let's say just cut to the left side. You know, just like three or four paces from from the left. So, and hitting as a right-hander and hit a draw, I'm gonna. I, I would love this to be middle of green. So I'm going to say take it off of uh, a tree on the right hand side of the green and draw it off that. So if I hit a good shot, I might be 20 feet away. If I hit a bad shot, if I pull it or overcook it, I could be two feet away. Yeah. That's if you look at it in that in that context, that was a bad shot. But you got a two footer for birdie. So. So it's it's a crazy game. If you make those judgments, you just handcuff yourself. Well, you know, Kev, our, our friend, uh, the decade golf guy, Scott Kevin, Fawcett. Uh, Scott Fawcett. Scott Fawcett. Yeah. You know, one of the things he pointed out, pointed out about Tiger Woods is that Tiger Woods was the one of the keys to his success was how great he was at lag putting. And why that's significant is... You know, on the tour, you've got six flags you can go for, six flags that are sort of medium, and six flags you stay away from. And Tiger Woods and other good players' careers were predicated on staying away from the red light flags. I Just the other night, same thing. I had a, a scenario just as you describe, a back left flag with nothing but trouble and trees left of that flag. I aimed to the right side of the green. Like, right edge of the green is where my club face was pointed. Because I thought to myself, if I overdo this, the worst it's going to be is pin high right. If I really make a bad swing, it's going to be in the hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Isn't that interesting? And, and, and so what I did was I, and it was a little shot, you know, 135 nine iron shot again. And I held on a little bit too long. I didn't quite turn it over. But I turned it over enough that I had about a 35-foot putt up the hill. Right to left putt, pretty simple two-putt, and moved on. And, and when I say the round was kind of boring, that's kind of the round. I just hit a lot of shots that weren't spectacular, but they were, the, they were in the right spots when it was... And they left me fairly easy shots. Yeah. So, so you shoot even par. You had a, you had a, a very interesting round, a boring round... And as we've been discussing it in the last five minutes or so, 
you made one comment about maybe hanging on or something. Like none of this is about your golf swing. No, really, it's and 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 that's where most people put all their eggs is in that you know oh how's my swing today, folks? If it's if you manage yourself well around your expectations, but also how you course manage yourself, just like Howard was talking about, taking the right um, the right aim, choosing the right side of the green, whatever, having a, a distinct target, not just bash your drive as far as you can, but mm-hmm. pick a target and try and hit it 240. It just works out so much better. But I, I was talking uh, this morning with a fellow who's uh, got a golf management company, and we we're talking about Tiger and how Tiger didn't. Tiger had very few 62-63s. But he's 68 and 69 you to death. That's right. Because he just hit it to the right spots, like last year's Masters. 12, middle of the green, uh, 15, middle right, no trouble, two putt. Well, it's what, it's what we're saying that, you know, the truth of good scoring, whether it's Tiger Woods or me or anyone, it's back to what Fawcett said. It's not how good you're... You know, it's it's it. I know we've he he's not the one that said this, but he said it's not about birdies, it's not about the birdies you make, it's about the doubles, triples, three putts, and penalty shots you don't get. So in that round of seventy-two, other than that one moment where I almost lost my ball, I had no penalty shots. I had one three putt, it really fooled me, and. Really, other than that, it was, uh, I, I had, you know what? I had a round of golf with 35 putts in it. Like, it's a lot of putts, because I hit a lot it of is. green. Yes. I mean, yeah. I'm not a, I don't have tour-level putting, because I'll tell you what, I just didn't put my ball in a lot of spots where I had really good runs at birdies. I had some 12-footers. I blipped out a 15-footer. But for the most part, the day was 20-footers, pin high, a little uphill, Two putt, move on. I, the longest putt I sank was on the 17th hole. I got up and down. I sank about a 12-foot putt. That was it. Thirty-five. Yeah. I had 35 or 36 putts in a round of 72. Uh, listen, let's hang around quickly because I know we both have stuff to do. Let's say goodbye to our radio friends. You can hear a little bit more today at uh, Swing Thoughts on Facebook. Go check it out. And thanks very much to uh, Grant Fraser today. Appreciate him. Thanks to our buddy Mike Neighbors and all the good folks in Hamilton. And thanks to TaylorMadeGolf.ca. This is Swing Thoughts, and we'll be back next week on TSN 1150. Sound of the river, you stop and you hold everything. A band is blowing Dixie, double fall time. All right. Well, we <clears throat> that was great. Thank you. We never got to the uh, we never got to the tiger thing, but that's fine. Uh, interesting that you were talking to that guy, and we're still recording. Um, and I know people. It's always easy to say oh, it's easy for you, Howard. Blah blah blah. You hit the ball. Blah blah blah. But I didn't. You know, I, I like other than a couple of drives, I hit my driver medium most of the day. But I hit it medium in the fairway. You know. Um. I did want to describe, you talking about course management. So there's a hole at our course. It's the 17th hole I played that day. And again, I know my score is pretty good. And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, you're mentally, yeah, I'm even par, I think, at the time. And I know I've got two holes to play. But what also, hole is it? Uh, eight, eight scotch blocks. So it's a tough par four, dog leg right, narrow fairway, uh, green oh, yeah. sits back. It's number one or number two handicap hole. And, um, 
But I'm aware as I'm walking to the team, a little bit of a story. Hey, this is cool. You're even par, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay, that's cool. Let's just hit this shot. And I got very involved with where I wanted to start the ball, what kind of shape I wanted to do. And to be honest with you, I didn't hit a very good drive. But it started where I wanted it to. I literally, I, it's a 400, it plays about 430 or 440. I, um, I might have hit a 240-yard drive. Kind of a necky cut. But it was, it was where I needed it to be. In the fairway, gave me an open look at the green. I had 200 yards off a downhill, side hill lie to a back left pin. I don't have the shot. Sorry. Mm. It's a bit into the wind. I could hit a four iron to the front of the green. My four iron's about 190-something. But you know what I did? I was so proud of myself because my ego, which, uh, you know, is f- fucking wild, my ego would have normally said, well, I should hit a four iron. I can hit a four iron 200 yards or just turn the face over a little bit. But I, what I didn't want to happen is I didn't want my next shot to be out of trouble. There's trouble left of that green. It's a back left pin, and it's a very tough four. So I said to myself, you know, some par fours, it's okay to not... I mean, some par fours, if you make a soft bogey, you're fine. Yeah. And I thought to myself... So what do I need to do to make sure that my next shot, whether it's on the right side of the green or in a bunker or short right, it's got to be, I've got to have an angle at that pin. So I choked down on a hybrid. I hit my hybrid about 220, but I choked down almost to the, not quite, but very far down on the grip. And I knew that the lie was going to bring it to the right. So I aimed it left of the green and I push blocked it to the right, short of the green and it gave me a, a tight lie chip, but I had a chip at the flag. Hit an okay, I'm long, hit an okay chip, like a 30, 40 yard pitch, hit it to 10 feet, and it gave me an opportunity at par. Now, I'm glad I made the putt, but what, it, what I'm pointing out is it basically made me feel comfortable that I couldn't make worse than five. From the moment it landed, I'm like, okay, cool. I've got my bogey. And I thought that. I'm like, I might make par, but I'm not making a double or a triple left of that flag. Do you know what I mean? 100%. That's just, that is smart golf. And what I love about that is your awareness, and it always starts with awareness, around your ego. Mm-hmm. And you had the voice go, oh, I should be able to do this I or whatever. But, but, but recognizing really that that just doesn't serve you. And, and unfortunately, that's, that's where it stops for a lot of people. It's just like, well, what are the guys going to think? Am I man or mouse? Blah, blah, blah. Is and if we could just kind of go, no, I'm not. I'm not listening to that story. I'm not listening to that voice. Um, same at Blue Springs, number ten. We've talked about before. Crazy uh, hole. If you don't hit a good drive, I lay up. Smart. I'm, I'm I just you know just it's wedge and then lob wedge, and then uh, if I make a par, wow, that would be a birdie for me. I actually, I, it, I view that as a personal par of five, because it's just such a dangerous hole. I was going to say, there's a great, that's a perfect example of a hole for the average player. It should be five with an option for four, because trying to make four there brings option four, and if you don't know the hole, it's really difficult. You say hitting a good drive, I was going to say, I don't know what that feels like, because I don't think I've ever <laughs> shaped it correctly, um, but not a lot of people would think that. Like, 17 at the National is well, for me now oh, yeah. at my age. But, you know, even in my physical prime, it was a tough par four. And if I, I wish I would have recognized then that making five there occasionally doesn't hurt you. 
It's making the sixes and sevens that just screw your score so much. Yeah, exactly. Well, so much of it has to do with how, what's the story we have and then how do we identify it? Really, maybe we save this for, oh, well, we, we'll have to, but um, the whole obsession with par, it's so arbitrary yeah. in, in many ways. You know, I made a four here, success. I made a five on a par four, failure. Really? <laughs> it's so stupid. It's, I remember yeah. even in, when uh, the pulpit first opened, someone thought they made a, a, a mistake with the scorecards. There was no par. That was completely intentional. Hmm. No pars. You just got what you got. And uh, I love that. Of course, eventually they, they did cave on that. But really, that, it, again, it's, it's around the whole idea of, 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 of your own awareness and, and getting caught in the identity and what does this mean yeah. and all that. And, folks, it's golf. It, it means sweet F.A. Well, and my buddy uh, Paul Henrik, who at some point, you want to talk about the real golf spiritual leader. Like, you know, he and I were talking about this the other day. And he said, you know, and he played on the tour and. You know, he's been around the game a long time. He said, you know, just kind of what you just said, you know, you know, soft bogeys. We're, you know, we're, he was talking about me as a tournament player. He said, we're allowed to make bogeys because you're going to make three, four, and five birdies around. What you're not allowed to do, he said, a double bogey means you've made a mental mistake at our level. But even for an average handicap, if you're like what you just said about the 10th hole at Blue Springs, if you thought of that hole, like a par five. I guarantee you, you'd make some birdies on it from time to time, but you'd make a lot of pars. Because it's so difficult and because our egos so want us to make four as the, as you just said, four good, five bad, you make, end up, you end up making big numbers on that hole because you just don't have the awareness to just go, well, I'm, I'm in trouble. How can I make my five from here? You know? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, son, um, yeah. I wish you well. I wish you peace. Peace be among among you and your family. You are a golf spiritual leader in so many ways. My girlfriend's away. Yes? Oh, no, I was um, going to say, my girlfriend's away for a couple of days, so I'm having, like, uh, I'm not shaving. I'm eating Chinese food. It's beautiful. <laughs> MSG. We're all we're going. Nitrates. We're going Heroin. Nitrates, uh, yes. That's right. MSG, nitrates, and heroin, Tim. Here's a thought. we got to get this Scott Fawcett dude on our show. Yeah, we, that's we, what we should do. We've referenced him so many times. I think he owes us money. Yeah, no so kidding. So we get him on. Yeah, let's but, line it up. Uh, anyways, uh, great show. I, I think we opened the door to some we, – we've got some interesting areas to explore. Uh, the mindset of finding a golf ball. No, for sure, man. That is so <laughs> but, true. Everyone – Feels that same, yeah. It, you know, and, and uh, that. My, but my favorite part of that discussion is that idea. And I think everyone does this. The idea of where you just kind of like, you sort of inch yourself over, like you're gonna go. What is my going all the way over there? Because here's what it's happened. This has happened to everybody. I come over to help you find your ball. Halfway, three quarters of the way there, you go. I found it. Now I got to walk all the way back to my ball. Exactly. All right. All right, my friends. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you. Bye, and, Howard. And meetings, Timmy. And meeting. And Absolutely. meeting. Bye. <laughs>